0: Hi, everybody. I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer, and I'm super excited about today's show. I realize I say that a lot, but you know what? It's because I get good topics. I find out about cool things that are going on around the world, and this one makes so much sense to me. Um, I'll get into it in just a second, but you're going to really see a, you're going to see rural education in a way that you haven't seen it before. And I got this idea from the folks in Paisley. We did a show with them recently. And I've done stories with them in the past, and uh, they told me about this class being held in not far away in North Lake School District, which is in eastern Oregon, uh, kind of southeastern Oregon, kind of, we'll we'll let them explain where it is. Um, But it's out in the middle of, uh, there's not a big city around it. I don't think they have a mall. So it's like what I would call heaven. Um, so our sponsors tonight, Chris Dental Family Dentistry and Denture Center, um, where everyone is welcome. Uh, they're doing dentures now. They're also doing crowns. And then of course they do all the other thing, hygiene and that kind of stuff. We're going to start featuring some really cool little videos from them talking about the biggest mistakes people make brushing their teeth, giving you some little tips like that. Cause I think a lot of us, um, Don't really know what we're doing, and we uh, think that we do. So they're one of our sponsors. Our other sponsor is JDEV Investments. Um, What Jim St. Clair and Daniel Basaraba do is they buy property and make redevelop it and make really cool things. The last project we showed you was a super eight motel that caught fire in Crestwell, Oregon, and now they made it into housing that's affordable for people. Um, So that's kind of the thing that they do and they're another one of our sponsors. So let's get right to the topic. I'm gonna bring in Chad and Danny. Um, Chad is the teacher, Danny is the student, one of the students. So Chad, start off and tell me what the class is and when this started.
1: Yeah, so it's our animal science class is what the name of it is, and, we, and the animal science we've been doing for 30 years, but three years ago, I had a student who came to me, and we're, we talk about careers, and he asked me, and he says, I want to be a butcher, and so I said, well, I guess we'll build a butcher shop, and that's, that's exactly what we did, so we built a butcher shop to train him how to be a butcher, and so that was three years ago, and it's been a great success since then. And that student did move back this winter and he bought a mobile butcher cart and he's actually opened up his own butcher shop in Christmas Valley. So we succeeded in that in that endeavor. And we need a butcher out here and a guy who will process animals. So
0: So when this so the student comes to you and says, I want to be a butcher and you build a class around the students need. Yes. Is that also because the community needed that butcher as well?
1: Yes, I'd had several people say, We need this and we need this. And so we yeah, we saw that and hey we I found some grant money and got the butcher shop going. And and actually I was bored of teaching animals traditional animal science anyway. So so, it how are, fun. so
0: so is this how how is this? This is very much hands-on then. So how does this relate to animal science so people understand the connection there? Yeah,
1: so we'll so when we go through the class, we go through the traditional how to feed animals. We go through genetics. We go through just the basic livestock. And then we started doing this when Danny, Danny this is her second year or third year in this class. She's, she's the expert. And so we started grading animals, doing carcass grading. And we just kind of pro- went from there how to, you know, how to uh, meat cuts, the names of different meats. And, and we started bringing in animals and cutting them up and learn how to process them.
0: So Chad, what do you love about this? Because to me, what I think is exciting about it is you're putting, this is where the rubber hits the road. I mean, you can sit and read a textbook all day, but for a kid to pick up a carcass and have to cut this and, and really go from the, do the process, that's magic.
1: Yeah. So, and I'm a, I'm a CTE teacher or career tech ed, which is just a fancy word for vocational ed. When we were talking about this a little earlier in the eighties and nineties, they, they pretty well did away with vocational education in, in the States. And so now that's coming back and I'm like the students, I hate being in the classroom as much as students do. And I hate doing paperwork and Danny will test this. I will do anything to get out of doing paperwork and book work. And so if I can be in the shop or the meat lab, that's what we will do. So Danny,
0: what you know, they, they set some video you guys, but I could not get it to transfer over, right. Of the kids, uh, students actually in there. Uh, cutting up the meat but Danny so what has this taught you what have you what have you learned from this
2: well um like Mr. Waldron said it's weird calling I can't really call him Chad it'd just be so weird but like (laughs) like Mr. Waldron said um we started off the year last year um learning how to um carcass grade a animal so that is where you they'll have they'll have the carcass hanging up and you look at it you see the size the fat in it you know the color of the meat, just the, just the live just, or just the hanging carcass weight and you can judge it. And then those get break broken down into subprimals and then, um, uh, different cuts. And then you grade them from there. It's just like a grading process. So that really helped, I think, with the, um, the end goal when we were hands-on butchering in class, because you knew, you know, more about the biology of the animal. You knew that, you know, it just gave a really good view of what it was going to be like when you were going to be in that situation of,
0: you know, butchering one. So do you find Danny that you're like more picky now when you see like,
2: (laughs) I, yeah, Um, I definitely am more grateful. Um, I've, I grew up in, I I grew up, grew up out here and it's really rural. So I've um, always hunted. Um, So it was, it was not my first time being around. I've always raised cows. Um, We're in the 4H and so we sell and buy pigs and, um, usually just uh, you know do that meat for ourselves so it's kind of been um, always in my past but now that I had a class it's I, I really learned how to butcher like you learn how to lay it out and it gives me a lot of respect for um, what I eat and where it comes from and so and the skill It's a, I have a lot of respect for the skill.
1: And, and that first year we started we we butchered a lot of deer and elk because that's that's yeah. how we started. Kids bringing in their animals. Yeah, we we sort of and then bring their animals in and we'd butcher them in the shop.
2: We butchered goats, a deer, a couple rabbits, um just a bunch of just an array of things, chickens. We raised around chickens in our um in our still in our animal science class, but in our greenhouse. And we had some chickens in there for a while and when they were ready, we did away with them and butchered
0: them. So do you do you think kinda Danny that you have a better understanding of of the how we interrelate with the the creation
2: um like the the whole just the whole picture of how life is um it, it gives me respect like i said a lot of respect for life and when you you know you see that i'm kind of going to go off on a tangent but you see go, go, go you go to a grocery store and you got this cut of meat and this and oh and this one's grass-fed and this one's grain-fed this one's no gmo like this is all this and then when you actually just get down to it you see um just the the heart like the oh i'm sorry like the true nature of what it really is and that's just in the and i think animals were put here for us to um eat and enjoy and we just need to respect them more and not you know um, disregard, you know, the, the methods of butchering ho- at home and the methods of doing it from um, the old time way. <laughs> I don't know how supposed to be Don't that. you think
0: when you, when you butcher it, you're trying to use everything you can? So you're yeah. taking, if I'm going to take, I've heard people say, if I'm going to take an animal's life, I'm mm. going to use every bit of that out of respect for that animal. And you guys really do. You know, you, now oh. you have more respect because you're actually cutting it up
2: yeah you you are you you see that you can use a you have you just have to be willing to use it you can be lazy and oh i'm just gonna let's say you have a a pig and you really just like you just want the pork chops and the bacon and you could just kind of go through maybe send some to sausage and just throw away a bunch of stuff you can do that but when you get down to it, you see that you can use so much of an animal and people don't realize that they don't really understand like you know, the refining that comes down with like leaf lard and normal fat they you don't see that until you actually do it. And you're like, wow, like you can really use every bit of an animal if you choose to, and you know, want to do that.
0: So how many kids go to your school?
2: Uh, Not a lot. We're a K through 12 school. I don't think we even have 200. I don't know about this year, but
1: we, I think we're like 16 this year, 216 K 12 right in there.
0: So, so Chad, you know, I mean, and, and I didn't, I think we've learned over the last few years um when you know through the pandemic and stuff that the 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 jobs that really when, when you're when push comes to shove the the jobs we really need are butchers and 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 people working uh you know that 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 the, the, the very thing you're doing is the technology class, the classes that we have gotten rid of um, yeah, the trades the trade. okay, new
1: vocational the trades yeah
0: yeah so how how have you guys been able to keep that in Northlake School District and incorporate that in? Is it just the willingness on that part of you and other teachers or the community support? How have you kept that?
1: Um, the community and parents demand it. And so we, we get teased that we you know, we have a K 12, 216 students. We get teased that we're uh, Northlake AM because we have a, our CTE department is fantastic and we put a lot of money in it. And it's yeah. So we we folk. This is a CTE school, a vocational ed school. And we do some English and math and history on the side.
0: So what what other things do you teach besides this meat processing and butchering? Uh, We have
1: we have a massive shop. We do welding, ag mechanics. We have a greenhouse. Uh, We do computers out here. wood shop. Oh, man. Robotics. We do. I I do a podcast as well. We just kind of do a little of everything yeah it's it's pretty phenomenal
0: why why does this kind of stuff happen in rural oregon and rural america and you don't see it in the i mean do you even know what your school budget is for a year uh
1: i i don't know exactly but it's no i don't
0: so but you guys are putting that money to where parents and kids and students really need it and want it um teaching them lifelong skills that that aren't gonna i mean Danny, you can show off when you have children someday, if you have children someday, you could show off your uh, meat cutting abilities. And, you know, if you went to, you know, if you went to a big city and you went to a snotty restaurant and had a steak, <laughs> you could tell them exactly where that came from.
2: Well, I, I'm already pretty, um, steaks, that's, um, snobby. My parents own a restaurant out here and I'm pretty picky about how I eat my beef.
0: Where's what, what restaurant do your parents own?
2: The cowboy dinner tree.
0: No way. Yeah seriously yes sir well you're like a starlet what can i, I mean, say everybody knows about i had no idea i was having royalty on the show <laughs> oh, no. no i mean there is not a person in oregon who doesn't say to somebody have
2: you ever been at the cowboy rah, rah? you know i know i get it a lot i, I um, was actually in uh, uh, georgia over christmas and I had an Oregon sweatshirt on and some people stopped me and were like, Oh, you're from like you're from around Oregon. I was like, Yeah, I'm from Silver Lake. They're like, Oh, really? Like that's where like the cowboy dinner tree is. I'm like, Yeah, my parents own that. And I met them in Georgia and I was like, it was the most it was the craziest thing.
0: So what's it like living in the little town of Silver Lake?
2: Um, well, you could think a lot of people would think like, oh, it's a dole, you don't go to the movies, you don't um You can't, you know, walk down to the store. We're pretty secluded. I mean, Silver Lake really has our restaurant, um, a gas station, a mercantile and a cafe like that. That's about it. But you, there's just so much beauty. I think from where I live, like I'm appreciate, I'm just so appreciative, like where I grew up. Um, I, we, you just, you find stuff to do. You hang out with a lot of friends. Um, obviously school takes up a big part of the year. So you're a lot involved in the FFA that keeps you really busy. Our sports teams keep us really busy in the summer, fishing, um, hiking, hunting, um, jackrabbit hunting. Like It's just kind of like a thing.
0: I love jackrabbit hunting.
2: Well, you need to come out here. There's,
0: Oh man. I went to Rome, Oregon a few years ago on a story and and my son was with me. He's now a hunting and fishing guy. And he said, um, the guy said, uh, hey, tonight, what are you guys doing? I said, um, you know, I don't know. We're in Rome, Oregon. There's not like anything to do. And he goes, oh, we can go out jackrabbit, hunting." So we go out and, you know, it's dark. And he goes out and, t- and then he just turns on the lights on his truck. And here's jackrabbits everywhere. And we're shooting them. And, and then the next day. We go to French Glen and there was like a little bit more of an environmental community there, you know, and this lady says, Oh, they're having so much trouble with the jackrabbits around here this year and no one knows what to do with it about it. And and then my son pipes up and he goes, Oh, we went out and shot about 200 last night. And she went, Oh, <laughs> it was yeah. really fun. It was very, very funny. But it jack
2: was Jackrabbit jack rabbit hunting is uh, pretty much a staple out here. It's just kind of like, Oh, well, jack- pests.
0: Pest. they're like rats. Oh, I mean,
2: yeah, they're everywhere. And that's just something to do. Um,
0: so, what do you think is the most misunderstood thing about kids growing up in rural America?
2: The most misunderstood thing um probably that we're just like a bunch of hicks in the sticks like <laughs> we just like that's about it we're all i mean most of us we you know we're from a farming community um a lot of the kids out here are very hard working um hold up jobs i i started working um outside of the restaurant because i just kind of it's like forced work over there i'm just kidding but um i started Farming for a different employer, my seventh grade year, and a lot of kids who don't, whose families don't own a farm, they go for a farm. So we we're just pretty busy, and we're people just think I don't know. We just kind of just sit out here and do hillbilly stuff. but, But
0: what do you think of social media?
2: Um, um, I personally think that it's it's the way the world is heading right now. Like you can't deny it. You can't you know avoid it. It's everywhere you some people need it for your school you need to keep in touch with this person and this person and you know in order to educate the rest of Oregon about a meat school we're online right now so it is the way of the future and we it is needed um I just think that it can be a problem when it's just become somebody's whole life and it can also be used for a lot of dangerous things it's like a balancing line you can't really have the good without the bad and unfortunately the bad to social media is pretty dangerous place and a scary place to be living in right now.
0: So will you move back? Like, I, 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 what do you want to do? Listen, I'm, I'm just making assumptions here. So let me just start over. Okay. You can- what do you want to do when you graduate? How old are you? First of all,
2: I'm 18. I graduate this year.
0: Okay. So what are you doing next year?
2: Um, I think for the summer, I'm going to stay and help my mom right now. She, I mean, the restaurant is takes up so much of my mom's time and Um, it's just always, I'm going to stay and help her for a little while. Uh, Right now, my plan is to enlist in the army, um, and do that until I'm 21. So I can join their CID program, which is a criminal investigations department. That's the plan right now. Um, but I have a fallback for butchering for my parents' restaurant because we do also own a beef company where we raise and sell our beef. And so that is kind of like, I have that there for if I need to do it, I can um, get certified for butchering. But right now, I would really like to become a criminal investigator. <laughs> um, so that's kind of like the big plan. And then I always have, you know, my backup butchering plan. Which thank gosh I had a butchering class because I know how to do it.
0: <laughs> so um, what, what do you want to move back to if you let's say you get your criminal justice thing? And it works out and you got to go to a big city. Would you always want to come back to a small place?
2: Yes, I would. I obviously, to become, I, I couldn't be a criminal investigator out here. I'd be just dealing with neighbors bickering all the time. Like there's nothing I can do out here. <laughs> I will have to probably move to a bigger city. But yes, I um, just would love to come back, live close to my family out here. It's just a really beautiful part of Oregon. Oh, and I just... I I don't really see myself want I don't want to live in the city the rest of my life I just I couldn't I see myself probably ending back up in Silver Lake Oregon but I think it'd be good for me to get out for a little while because I have been trapped here a little bit (laughs) a little bit long I
1: I tell students Rick I tell students I after high school I don't want to see you for two or three years and then come on back so we want to get kids out of here and then bring them back with some new skills and education and
0: yeah Mm -hmm. so good for you Danny So Chad, what has kept? How long have you been teaching there? Where are you from?
1: Twenty-eight. I've been too long. Yeah, too long. (laughs) Twenty-eight years, and I actually moved here from Idaho, southeast Idaho.
0: Were you in a small town there? Yep,
1: I grew up on a dairy farm in western Idaho.
0: So what's what's the thing about this part of Oregon that people just don't um, don't understand? Uh,
1: Kind of what. Danny was going on and it's, I, I don't think people understand how good small towns, how good their schools are. Our school is wonderful. We have one of the best schools and I don't think people realize what small schools can offer. And our, like I say, our, our I've not seen a better CTE program and I see a lot of schools. Uh, it's just, it's good. The other thing I like about small town rural America is my wife works in the office in the school. I put all my kids through this school, so we were on trips all the time. I was here, you know, so I kind of raised my family in this building, and that's a pretty good benefit. A lot of people don't have that luxury.
0: Do you guys ever see what goes on in the, you know, and I don't mean this, like I'm saying it and I'm going, oh, that's kind of a weird way to put it. But you see what's going on in the rest of the world, and do you feel like you're somewhat um, secluded from that? Yes,
2: It's almost a pre like I'm appreciative like I don't have to, you know, worry I I can go pretty much I can go anywhere out here. I know everybody. I feel safe around here. It's like you you grow up with everybody around here. There's just every everybody knows each other. That kind of thing. And then you go to like a big city and you're just you just feel lost. You're like gosh, nobody cares about you in those big cities. It's just so huge. And out here you, you always you have a big support system anybody could Anybody, everybody's here for you, no matter what. If I broke down on the side of the road coming home from school tonight, I could call all my class. I could call any of my classmates from Mr. Walden's shop class. So they would know how to help. I could call Mr. Walden. It's just like a family out here. Of course, there's a lot of downsides too. Like we, it's not. Like I'm not trying to paint the perfect picture, but it's just there's a lot to be appreciated compared to a big, ramping city where nobody knows you and nobody really cares to know you.
0: Yeah, people are. They love you, Danny. Their Chad is helping kids learn about the world that is out there for them to experience. Well done, sir. Um, somebody else comes on here. What school? It's North Lake School District, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, oh, somebody's answering for them. <laughs> north Lake—that's <laughs> the school. So most people have. So we we are
1: two hours south of Bend, two hours west of Burns, two hours north of Lakeview. So try to figure that out on the Oregon map. So you
0: are really secluded. Uh, yes. So I we mean, go
1: shopping in Bend, which is two hours away. That's where we go to the doctor and dentist and go get groceries. Yeah.
0: Because and and when I would, I remember I did a bunch of stuff in Lakeview and I thought Lakeview was far away from everything and they're like an hour and a half away from Klamath Falls. Yeah. But you guys are even farther away than that. Um, oh
2: yeah, and they got a Safeway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what do you have for a grocery store? Got a Chevron.
2: The Chevron, yeah. Um, let's so you go grocery
0: you. shopping and in, in Bend. Yeah. Yes,
2: it's like a weekly thing for most families. Like, oh, it's Sunday or it's Friday. We got to just go to town and get our stuff that we need. And it's honestly, when you think about it, two hours every week, that that's gonna suck to go. It's just kind of like we have to do it. Like you need, we need, you know, that kind of stuff. You know people just do it. A lot of families go out, go to Costco, Hall. There's a big
0: So the town, so I, I recently moved to Montana a year ago and I'm in a little town that's there's 1700 people. It's a farming community and we have to go to Helena, which is like 45 minutes away. There's a little teeny grocery store here, but you got to go 45 minutes away. So my wife and I do that to go to the gym and everybody thinks we're crazy, but we're doing that four days a week to go to the gym and come back. And then we, you know, I do my work and all that kind of stuff, but you just get used to it. And it's, don't, don't you think that living in a small town, it, there's, there's, it's harder, but that's why it stays small. Because you have to be kind of, I would say you guys have to be pretty tough to be able to do that and, and understand who you are. You know what I mean?
2: I mean, if you threw somebody from Bend out here, they would think it's pretty hard. But when you grow up this way, it's kind of just this life. Like, oh, got to go to Bend. I got to go do this. I'm in the middle of nowhere. Oh, I broke my leg i gotta wait two hours for an ambulance like that's literally just is we're tougher out here
0: that was one of the first things people said to me when i moved here was they said well what about hospital i mean what happens if you have a heart attack and it's like well you get to the hospital or you die i you know, it's like those are the options you know so how many brothers and sisters do you have
2: i have a lot um
0: OK, here we go. Well, you got a restaurant to run. So mom and dad were looking for help.
2: <laughs> yeah, they needed they needed some child labor up. <laughs> um, so <laughs> um, my um, biological dad, I have two younger brothers with him. And then with my mom and my stepdad, I have Jack and Wade. They're my younger brothers. And then I have two foster sisters and one adopted sister.
0: OK, so that's a lot of kids. Yeah. So you you have your own parties then.
2: Oh, yeah, like it's
0: great. I'm just, just- Chad, what do you think this has done um, for your family, raising your child? How many children do you have?
1: I have three kids. I have a daughter and two boys. They've all graduated and moved on. So.
0: Now, did they go to a bigger town?
1: Yes. My daughter is over at Corvallis at Oregon State. She's finishing up her Ph.D. Um, my, I, one of my boys still lives here. He does construction and the trades. And I have another boy that's moved to Logan, Utah, and he works for a credit card computer company or something.
0: Do you think your Uh, other two children will end up in, in a rural place or does it?
1: I don't think they will. I think they wanted to get out of here and that's okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, what's so cool about it is people that are supposed to live like this, you choose. know, we still have choice. We have choices to live where we want to live. But I think that you really, you know, I love your whole area because I was so impressed with Paisley, Oregon and what they've done with that school to save it, you know, um, by developing that online school, you know, they saved their district. And, you know, that's another little tiny little town. Um, But what a cool thing to do. And you guys have to be innovative. So that's why when I heard about your class, I thought, you know, teaching kids how to butcher. um, It it makes me wonder if, you know, in the future, we're not going to go back to needing people more like that. Um, You know, that those kind of the kind of very things that you're focusing on, Chad, those kind of jobs, journeyman kind of jobs are going to be like. I Think we learned that during the pandemic. It's like I heard Jordan Peterson saying today, we didn't need any sociology professors during the cry the, the COVID crisis. What we needed was carpenters and people, you know, like I maybe mean, people like that that are out there doing it. And there's still a shortage of that. So I think that's cool because it creates, um, in this vacuum, you've got all these students who can do that. And those are living wage, good jobs. Oh, you yeah. Know, we
1: we almost we almost lost vocational education in this country in the 80s and 90s because we wanted everybody to go to college,
0: right. so we
1: put all the money there. But now I think we are in trouble. And maybe a sombering thought is, uh, half of electricians are 55 years old or older. Half of them. That's a stat I I read a couple of weeks ago, which means another five or ten years we got to replace, you know, 500,000 electricians in this country, and we don't have them ready. Then right. what do we
0: do? Right. Uh,
1: What's a sociology degree going to do for us then?
0: Right. Well, and I think a lot of people are starting to understand the value of, of these kinds of jobs. And and it's not, I mean, it used to be, you know, I think everybody has to go to college or you're not anybody. And I think that's just absolutely not true. And and I think people, more and more apprenticeships and programs like that, journeyman electricians, plumbers. You know, I mean, what a world of hurt we would be in. Well, just to me, if you didn't have a butcher, you know, I mean, I'd have to learn, I guess. But and I could. But I just have I'd probably just go to Danny's mom and dad's restaurant all the time. You know, but you're yeah. teaching kids some real practical skills that they can take anywhere. so
1: do you and they're so- good jobs? They're good jobs, too. Like a lot of these students, they'll go and they'll go to get their two year degrees and they're making more money than I'm making. Haven't been at a job for almost 30 years. So it's right. good paying. They're good paying jobs. Oh, these yeah. Not,
2: not only our butchering class, um, Mr. Waldron, we do. Um, uh, he told you we have a big meddling shop. I've had two shop classes every single year from like my seventh grade year up. Um, so, you, I've learned how to torch weld, braze weld, oxy AC, arc weld, you learn how to run machinery, you learn how to run a plasma cutter, a torch cutter, and a lot of the students are doing welds right now through the college, KCC, um, that's the college in Klamath, and they're, they're just doing, they have, they'll have jobs lined up, they, a lot of them can, they, because they can run any piece of equipment, and a lot of um, welding jobs pay a ton of money, and we're learning that school, that we're, we're learning that skill for free right now in high school, in a, you know, high school shop class, and they can, they can take it on for the rest of their lives.
1: Chad, we'll,
0: go ahead, go ahead. Uh, we'll put
1: a, we, we have a lot of diesel mechanic students that go down to Klemeth community, and then they come back here, because we, it's all farms here, you know, big farms, and so we need diesel mechanics, and that's what a lot of parents push their kids into doing, and then they come back, and they have a skill to, to help make the farm run, and a, a good skill, skill that you can't just you know, get out of the cereal box. so.
0: No, there's like, we had a diesel school at LCC, um, Lane Community College. And, uh, you know, those guys were coming out of there, guys and women, and making good money. and Because you, you a diesel engine is not just something anybody can work on. So Chad, do you kind of feel like we're, you know, maybe um, with everything that's going on, that we're going back in time that we're starting to make? Is that kind of, you know, I mean, I have, but it was by choice. And I know everybody's not going to do it, but do you feel like we're, we're almost having a reality check to go? What really is important?
1: Yeah. And I, I think education's waking up and people are realizing we really screwed up in the eighties and nineties because they're putting a lot of money into CTE. Now, uh, I don't have any problem getting money when I need something, I ask and I get it. And, you know, there's even, uh, uh, what was it? major 98 that passed in 2017 in Oregon and that was just take existing taxpayer money that was in education and and put it into vocational ed specifically and that's worked it's working and they're finally starting to wake up and put money back into these type of programs so it's yeah i think we are going back to the to yeah when we used to value the trades and these type of skills
0: well, I think the other thing, like Danny was kind of alluding to this, is it's 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 really fun, too, and interesting. I mean, I remember having wood shop when I was a kid, and I really learned how to do some things that my dad never taught me how to do. And I took an engine shop and learned how to work on an engine, which I've you know, never done before because I we don't all grow up that way. And I think, um, you know, even though I don't do all of that right now, I do have a respect for how things work that way.
2: I mean yeah it's really it's just uh, a super neat thing I tell mr. Waldron every day I walk in you know to the door mr. Waldron I want another shop class that's I just it's so much to learn and you you just we have our own projects and we go and mr. Waldron he treats um, us and all the students with a level of respect to know he teaches us you know skills and he sends us out there and um, puts trust in us that we're gonna know how to operate you know a piece of equipment properly safely effectively and it's just such a wonderful class. And I, I, my, the only reason I come to school. <laughs> our,
1: our students are required to take shop in starting in seventh grade, all seventh graders take a shop class, all eighth graders, all ninth graders, and then uh, sophomore, junior, seniors, then they can take multiple classes if they choose. So we kind of, I guess we force kids to learn these skills and that's what the community and parents say they want. So that's what we do.
0: Well, there's the biggest thing right there is you have community and parental support. Yeah. So what, and, and, oh, Leah's going, okay, I got to get you on here, Chad. You got to see this one. So Leah says, bravo, Chad, for your years of service. I taught in CTE for 15 years. Unfortunately, the school program closed. Um, Yeah. So she understands the value of that. So if you could sit down and I'm not trying to be political here, and if this is over the top, then we won't do this, but if you could sit down with legislators and people in the state, what would you tell them um, that you need or that we need, or what, what would just be your message? Even if it's about CTE, you know, that kind of thing, what would you be, Chad? I'll let you start. And then I'm going to ask you, Danny, the same question. Okay. As a student.
1: Yeah. And I have thought about this a lot. You know, we've, is a little bit on emails and without getting into any specifics uh if education the O, you know or ode if they do not realize they have to have parent support community support we will fail it's just that simple and i don't know if they realize that or they just refuse to do what they need to but uh, you know i've heard your show i've listed some of yours. we need to get a little more local control and we have to We have to have the community support in public education or we're it's just beating your head against the wall. It's a sense.
0: And what you mean is as a state, because you have you guys have I mean you and Paisley and places like that are proof. Since you have the public support and you do have a little more anonymity because you're funding your school district, you're putting it in programs you want and it's working. And we need that. What you're saying is we need that as a state for yes. We need to bring back the respect to education that used to be there. Thirty years ago, where it was it was run by the parents for the parents, local school boards, and it was about the kids. You know how many times I hear, "Oh, we're doing this for the students." And if you start looking, it ah, doesn't appear to me that that's going to the students very much. Yeah. Now, Danny, as a kid, what would you say? You, you get an audience. You get an audience with the. You get invited to speak before the legislature in Oregon,
2: oh, and, you're, gosh.
0: and you get to you get to say. Um, what you would want to say about your school. And it doesn't have to be anything political. I'm just asking, what would you?
2: Um, I mean, the I do like the locally, like how our school is set up, where um, the school board has a big impact on what we do. Um, you know, the locals have a big impact. It's kind of, it's the local communities know what they need. They know um, what runs best. It's kind of hard to have a government, a huge government that, is used to um helping run big city schools you know try to form a rural town community in with that kind of mold it's we, you just can't mold a, how um our schools ran with say a school in bend it's just there's completely opposites so that's why that's when the local when the local comes and it just shows that we locals know um how it is out here they know how um what we need and everything and, and people you know in Bend or even bigger cities they'd go belly up if they came out here for a while and saw like, they'd probably have a heart attack to see what we do out here I mean you have little seventh graders running um, big belt Sanders and they a bigger school bigger schools and kids from there they just wouldn't understand and they so yeah we just you can't really have big government and a you know a government that runs big schools try to do that with a rural school it's just completely different the molds just don't fit
0: yeah, you guys grow up with, I mean, to a kid, like a seventh grader in your area, that's nothing. I mean, that kid's already driven a truck around the farm. Yes. And, yeah. You know what I mean? That's how, that's how you grow up. Well, you guys, oh, my gosh, that was such a great conversation. And Danny, Chad was right. He said you would have no trouble filling the time.
2: Oh, yeah. I, you're, I you're,
0: a, you're a smart young lady. Thank you. You have a really good future ahead of you.
2: Oh, and, thank you. Oh
0: my gosh, and and you're Oregon royalty. Oh, thanks. thanks. Now
1: now keep, now your audience knows who's to call if they need to get
0: a, a last minute yes. reservation. Yeah, you know now I know. I've got I got a contact now. The next time yes. I'm in Oregon, I can go. Okay, um, yeah, I kind of need to do this, you know, and get out I, there. I, ask
2: for me, I will um, definitely get you in the books. Uh, flip you
0: in. <laughs> I. My life is better today, (laughs) Chad. And thank you um, for working with me to get this set up and also just for what you do. Um, I love what you're doing. Um, I think it's just awesome. And even if the rest of the world doesn't recognize it, every single one of those kids that's come to your classrooms and you've given them that education and and you've given them that, that ability. Cause I, I think the thing that, that, that this type of education does is it gives people the guts to do, to try different things. You know what I mean? I'm not saying anything bad about reading and writing and arithmetic and all that. Cause we all have to learn that, but that, this gives you, this is skills that keep kids take on and it gives them confidence, you know, which is what I have the biggest problem when they took art and music out of schools, because those are, those, there's a lot of kids that connect to life through music and art. And when we don't have that, I'm just like vocational programs, you miss a whole bunch of kids. Cause let's face it, you know, I, I uh, was a terrible math student, horrible. And and I got this when I ran for public office, when I ran for secretary of state, I got to go speak in Hillsborough. And my teacher's name, my algebra teacher's name was Mr. Payne. <laughs> and he was, <laughs> and he told me every day, Rick, you're gonna use this someday. So I stood up and opened my speech running for office. Oh, you guys, I want you to meet Mr. Payne, my t- my t- seventh grade math teacher. And Mr. Payne stood up and everybody clapped. And then I looked at him. I said, Mr. Payne, I've never <laughs> used algebra in my life. And the whole audience just started laughing because I related more to the, the music and the art kind of thing. And that's what kept me more connected at that time. But Chad, what you're doing is amazing stuff. And, um, obviously Danny nods her head when I say that. So they, you, you have yeah. a lot of respect from people out there. Welcome yeah. Mr.,
2: Mr. Waldron is a, uh, big time favorite in our school. I could definitely say his shop class is really just a home. Like, a, it's really just a good place for kids to go to. And a lot of kids feel that definitely all of my friends his favorite class, like a whole group.
0: Well, good. All right. You two, thank you for joining us. Um, we really appreciate your time. And I got to do a few parting words and then uh, we'll, we'll set this thing down. Um, share this on your page, everybody, so that other people, because this can give other districts an idea of what yeah. you can and can't do. And, um, and then if you want, you know, to go to the restaurant, you're going to have to make your reservations on your own. <laughs> yeah. There'll be my, my unofficial sponsor tonight. No, yeah, it's, it's, nice, sponsor. it's nice to meet you and tell your, parent, to tell your mom she's doing a hell of a job.
2: Thank you. Yes. She, she really is. She's my hero.
0: <laughs> well, she's a lot of it. There's not a person in Oregon who doesn't know about that restaurant and that's good marketing for a guy who markets people. She's done a great job. All that's
2: right.
0: See you later. All right, you guys, there you go. So that's it for tonight. Share this on your page seriously, because I want people to have the positive idea of what can happen in Oregon when parents and the community are included and involved, and not only that, but put in in the leadership position of those areas. Because, like they said, who knows a district, a school district, better than the people who who are are living there? They know what they need, and sometimes Salem thinks it knows what they need. But I think really what happens is people in those districts, and they're doing it just like Paisley and so many other schools. Um, tomorrow night, what do we have coming up tomorrow night? Um, oh. Speaking of art, I've got Eli, um, a Eugene artist who is a glassblower. And he is actually – no, he's not tomorrow. He's Thursday night. But he's like he blows glass for Disney. And um, super cool guy, kind of hippie, very Eugene. Um, you're going to enjoy the heck out of him. He's on Thursday night. And tomorrow night I have a young man named Benjamin Elliott. And he does, he's the most interesting dude because he's like 33 He's worked, he heard one time about a young man I did a show with that had cancer, terminal cancer, and went out and became friends with this guy, helped him uh, get to do some amazing things that he dreamed about doing, and Ben helped him, and then the young man died. Well, Ben has recently decided to kind of chuck everything, and he's going off on this little adventure of a lifetime, uh, working at a ranch um, three hours from the latest town. So you're going to love him. Ben is a great guy. You're going to enjoy the conversation. All right. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Uh, Share this on your page. We'll see you soon.